Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Frio Big Footy Podcast. This week we'll be going back over the win against Essendon, uh, where Fremantle ended up being a pretty comfortable side after three quarters before Essendon got some junk goals in the last quarter. We'll have a quick look at the Peel game versus Subiaco and then the upcoming clash against the Bulldogs at Etihad Stadium, where obviously there's been quite a bit of talk about the game itself, not only the fact with the A-League Grand Final. Joining us is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo. How are you, mate? I am good and can't wait for another week of footy, and it just real feels really good to be uh, 6-0 at the moment. Absolutely. On uh, last weekend, on Saturday night, Fremantle ended up being comfortable 12 goals 8-80 to 7 goals 10-52. And at the end of the day, uh, Fremantle put a pretty comprehensive display before uh, sort of uh, slowing down a little bit in the last quarter there and allowing uh, the Bombers to kick four goals. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game, Sebo? Well, it was one that I managed to uh, trick my way over to Western Australia and watch a game at Subiaco and enjoy the Saturday night spectacle. And it was um, just fun to be there and actually be a part of a game in the West rather than uh, watch all the games interstate. And uh, certainly Freo came out and dominated, even though Western did kick that first one. Um, we certainly um, put on a bit of clinic in that first half and really dominated the game. And you can just see structurally what changed in that last quarter. And if you sat there and, and you just looked at the stats and, and saw the score worm, you'd be feeling a bit worried. But when you're there at the ground and you can see what's happening, it's a, a different aspect. When you've got the eye for the game and even just the matchups around the ground, you can see what they're trying to do. And I'm glad the players actually are not just switching off. It's just more structurally in positions that the coaches are doing to um, that's affecting uh, the results that we're seeing. Yeah, it was one of those um, strange games. We, we talked a bit after the game, Seppo, that it was probably one of the more quieter Fremantle lessening games. Normally they're quite um, sort of high octane and there's always quite a bit of atmosphere, but it did seem a little bit subdued on the night. And I think that was mainly because sort of Frio managed to sort of put the foot down, you know, after probably Essendon were pretty good for the first seven or eight minutes of the game, but then uh, Fremantle sort of dominated for the next couple of quarters after that. The um, it's a bit of an interesting uh, thing, Seb. I was very surprised that the uh, Wilder appeal didn't come out before our game. We always seem to get teams that have some curveball before the game to give them a bit more of an extra boost. So I was a bit surprised that they didn't bring it in before our game, to be honest. But uh, overall, once again, a pretty dominant display by the midfielder in our uh, defence held quite strong with uh, young Alex Pearce showing a bit down back there, Seppo, in his first game. Yeah, it was good to see him come in. And I think it took a while for him to get his first touch. And I remember there was one passage of play. I can't remember if it was before he had his first touch. It might have been in the second quarter where Ibbotson marked the ball deep and he went to turn right to pass it off to Alex Pearce. But he hesitated, even though Alex Pearce was in the clear. Ibbotson just had that little bit of hesitation to put the uh, new player under pressure. And he changed the direction of play and went back the other way to the experienced Johnson. It was uh, interesting just to see how players were sort of a bit trepid with how they uh, went with Alex Pierce, but he certainly, by the end of the game, he was just flying into packs and putting in some good marks, and he just seemed like a natural down there. And you can see why Ross was so keen to get games into him and glad to see that we could uh, really step it up without McFarlane out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, as you said, a couple of use of his ball uh, body, particularly in the... Uh... I think there's a good mark on the last quarter, you know, where he had Danaher one on one, and he sort of backed his judgment and he uh, showed some real, um, real ability there, which was really pleasing. The other interesting thing was probably even though the, um, you know, when they were talking, or Ross was talking about having the queue in the rack, it was interesting that they brought DeBoer on so late. You know, when you felt that Fremantle were pretty comfortable at 54 points, you would have thought they would have given DeBoer a bit more time, but um, obviously it was a um, 
sort of a you know a late decision, and uh, he certainly didn't get a lot of time there. So it's interesting to see how Fremantle use the sub going forward because the bowler has obviously had um, four out of six turns in the uh, the green jacket. So it'll be interesting to see whether they keep him or let him have a full run appeal because obviously his match conditioning is not going to be great if he keeps just playing only ten or fifteen minutes a week. Yeah, he only got fourteen percent um, game time from that late sub in the game. So you'd think he'd really benefit from a full run in the reserve, especially when you consider, I think, Peel have the bye the week after. So um, I think there was some state games on. So it really makes it hard that if you don't get picked or you're, you're as a sub again, then you get dropped the following week. It's um, going to be very hard. So I think they're probably going to have to make some hard decisions this week. Um, but it was good to see that they kept Tabner on and he really didn't get subbed off for a poor performance because he... Um, He's sort of still involved and, and helped us really in the structure in the forward line, but the fact that we can take him off and give Matt DeVore a run was um, good to see. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Tabernet. I mean, obviously, as you said, his leading's quite good and up the ground, and it probably was a bit dewy and that sort of thing. So he actually got his hand on the ball a few times inside 50, but just didn't manage to clunk him. And we probably just need him to be that, as you said. like he's cert- We certainly look better with him in the side, but as you said, it'd just be good to see him take a couple of marks. Uh, as you said, Fremantle sort of... Uh, did dominate quite a bit, but once again, we did see a little bit of uh, butchering of the ball going forward uh, at times, particularly in that second and third quarter where we just seemed to get on top and we just get a little bit lazy or, you know, I know Sonny Walters kicked you know one straight over Pav's head and I know Lee Spur had a couple of uh, sort of turnovers that weren't really terrific, but I mean, he had, it was good to see him bounce back with 29 disposals. So considering he doesn't get it all that often, the fact that he had 29 touches was um, a positive Um and obviously you could see without McFarlane, they used Spur a little bit more when Pierce wasn't getting as much of the uh, ball as maybe McFarlane would in a normal game. Yeah, I think and even just how well midfield dominated all game, I think it could be summed up by one passage of play where Sandy dished it out. And I was actually here, I'm sitting next to my sister watching the game and you could see Fife lurking at the back of the pack. And I said, watch Sandy feed it down to Fife and him stream forward. And it was just seconds before Sandy just reached up, put it behind him. Fife was on the outside. There was no one on him. And I thought it was quite strange decision by the Bombers to not actually put someone really on Fife. I know they probably had Heppel on him for a bit, but the fact that Fife ran free out of the midfield so much was just a, a real perfect uh, ball from Sandlands onto him and he just streamed forward and, and put it on the um, tit of Pav and Pav slotted the goal and it was just something perfect we've been doing, doing a lot, dominating those centre clearances and it really fell away in the last quarter when not one of like Sandy, Mundy and Fife really all jumped in the middle together and you just pulling people off and resting Fife on the forward line and it certainly changed our centre breakup. so I can just show you how quickly our dominance can change if we start to, not necessarily, it just sort of gives a bit of an insight into what it could be if we start to lose one of, you know, those three guys in the midfield for any long period of time. Yeah, I think they were definitely um, sort of trying different rotations out in that last quarter. And it was interesting to watch David King on uh, 360 this week and he was sort of showing some footage with, uh, you know, Fremantle in the first quarter, obviously hunting in the packs. And then in the last quarter where you saw a couple of guys just walking like Fife was just cruising around, and um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see when um, you know, as you said, whether we put it together. It was also probably a little bit of an interesting point on the uh, on the forums this week. I uh, apologies because I can't remember who put it up, but the, you know, even with Tabiner, like the scoring that we're doing with Tabiner on the ground for the full game, as opposed to when he becomes a sub. So it's interesting. We seem to run those games out a bit better when Tabiner does play the full game. 
Um, so it'll be interesting this week to see if Tabernet A gets a full game and B, um, you know, what impact that does have on the ground, especially being at Etihad as well, which is a little bit smaller, obviously, than Subiaco. Mm. And it's quite interesting, even just with how our forward structure is, because everyone presumed at the start of the year that Sandlands is going to be doing a lot of resting forward and you know, becoming that ruckman that goes in there. But I've actually checked out his uh, heat maps and the position he's been racking up his disposals and where he's moving. He's actually playing a lot more behind the ball and taking that um, sort of defensive mark rather than being that forward target because we've got enough tools and Pavlich staying really deep and main and Tabana to complement it, and then you get Clough rolling up into the forward line. It's a lot better, it seems, and we'll try to push Sandlands in there. And it's just um, great to see that you know you take Tabana out of it, and we can sort of still perform, but obviously a lot better when he's there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also like part of the, you know, as you said, trying to get that sort of, you know, obviously he's our bailout option down in defence, but obviously it was good to see Clark taking a few more marks as well in that sort of forward, you know, between the wing and forward 50, and I think he was the equal highest mark taker on the ground, so that's obviously a positive sign. And obviously the Bombers were trying to sort of work hard to stop guys like Duffield getting the ball, and obviously Duff had a pretty quiet game when you look at the stats, and they were trying to work pretty hard because obviously Duffield does have that ability to use the ball very effectively. So um, you can just see they were sort of trying to keep him out of the play as much as possible and obviously trying to let um, Spur and those sort of guys bring the ball out. Um, so it was, oh, as I said, overall, I think you can't complain about the performance. And, uh, you know, at the start of the day, you'd certainly take a, um, you know, the result as it stood. But, uh, you know, as I said, a lot of their guys who were getting the ball, like Goddard and that sort of thing, were getting it more across half halfback um, and weren't really as damaging as they could have been when they were sort of getting it more forward of 50 or forward of centre. I suppose the only downside we've had to the game is really Walters is a bit out of form and he thought, uh, you know, nice performance with... Balancine back up and running and, and Walters out there, it seems that he's, you know, he's operating at 43% efficiency and that's just unlike Walters with his kicking and he only hit the scoreboard once and he's sort of a bit down on what we expected from him. So if, I suppose there's a lot of upside to that, that you know, once he comes good and we'll back him in again, but maybe players like Duffield and Subin, as they start to drop off on their early season great form, that... You know, they'll certainly be you know replaced on the way when guys like Sheridan and Gray and all those guys come through and start to put in um, big waffle performances. Yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting, as you you know talking about with Walters, and obviously there's been a bit of discussion, and obviously you know taking aside the fact that he probably ducks a little bit too often trying to get those kicks, I, I think it's a bit interesting the way that they've um, set up a bit this year, Seppo. Where last year obviously there was a talk about we would have Pavlich and Walters and Ballantyne deep in the forward 50, where this year they seemed, and Main was the one pushing up near the wing, where this year they pushed Main back towards goals, and he's obviously putting that defensive pressure, but Walters is spending a lot more time outside that forward 50, and obviously, even though he's probably not, he hasn't probably been as effective as he would, as they probably would have liked, but he's probably just getting used to that new role as well, where he's, you know, sometimes he's probably just trying to do a little bit too much rather than taking the easy options. So it'd be interesting to see if they persevere with that, because... Um, he seems to be spending a lot more time between the 50s than he was last year where he was spending the majority of the time inside 50. Mm. He's almost sort of treading on the Hill and Pierce territories, you know, those wingers that sort of run up and link up players where streaming through the midfield and, and both Hill and Pierce have just been absolutely fantastic. That's Daniel Pierce, not uh, Clancy, who's been doing a better job even further back. And, and just moving on to Clancy, I thought his game was probably one of the best and 
I know he's had good games in the past against Essendon, but the way he threw his weight around, uh, especially in the air, for someone so short and stocky, he competes really well in the air and puts some big crashes and bashes into the Bombers players. And the way he's just been sweeping up and playing, like you mentioned it in, I think, last week's podcast, the... What he's doing as we're switching the ball around or even just looking for that drive when the ball's kicked into the midfield is um, fantastic. And I actually put him in our top three votes. And I know a lot of people probably saying Brownlow votes probably going to go to uh, Neil and Fife and Pav. But I think there's every chance that Clancy Pierce, I'm not sure if I got noticed by the umpires enough, but his 26 disposals, I think a lot of them were quite crucial. And he um certainly's been really helping us with you know four rebound fifties is um good drive from the back line in this year especially with probably Johnson and and Duffield and Ibbotson not really stepping up in those sort of key stats and areas. Yeah, just going back to I mean I t- yeah I agree with what you're saying there, Seppo, absolutely. And uh, as you said, I think Clancy's certainly entrenched himself in that best twenty two at the moment. Just going back to that previous point where you're saying about with obviously Hill and um. Daniel Pierce up there, I think Walters just gives us that little bit extra run when we, like, if one of those guys is off or rotated through the midfield, I think Walters is just giving us that little bit more speed. Um, obviously, our other guys are quite tall, but they're not genuine pace. And it'll be interesting to see this week if the ball does go back, whether they bring Sheridan in. If Sheridan does play and certainly plays a little bit more, it'll be interesting to see if they then push, Walt, if that sort of pushes Walters back down inside 50 a little bit more. Um, and then obviously because Sheridan can then relieve either Pierce or Hill on that wing if they need that extra outside run. Definitely. All right, any other points you want to bring up this week, mate, on this game? No, other than the fact that it's always good to get a, a another home win and, and that margin is probably exactly as what I predicted. I thought it said about 30 points on the last week's podcast and it's just good to get that result and not let, let it slip away in that last quarter. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see this... Uh, you know, so this week where the Fremantle obviously will be able to maintain that pressure because obviously with the Bulldogs game coming up and Eddie Head where the Fremantle generally do play pretty well apart from when they play St Kilda, um, it'll it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, maintain that sort of pressure because obviously St Kilda showed last week in that second half and we'll get to it in a sec that they are um, certainly uh, the Bulldogs are vulnerable in certain places across the field. And how good was it to have to come out of another game and not actually have a major injury to worry about. It's been quite luckily when you consider all the other major injuries that's happening that we you know, we completed 108 interchanges and I'm sure they were a quite slow rate right through the whole game and was, we could be a bit more relaxed and not make any forced changes. And, and this this week is a, another one where the selection dilemmas are uh, right in because there's no one really hurting themselves too much and we've been quite lucky with our fitness and um, availability this year. Yeah, I mean, t- let's touch wood on that uh, comment. I suppose a couple of one other thing is that it's interesting to see that um, in the um, sort of disposal efficiency in the AFL, uh, Lockie Neal's rated the number one player at the moment, step over for players over uh, I think it's three hundred disposals, and uh, at the moment running at eighty six point five percent. Which, when you consider he's actually playing. In an under, that's a you know phenomenal effort, and, uh, and especially when you consider his kick to handball ratio is probably right up there. Where someone like Prittis is very handball happy, I think Lockie Neal loves to kick the ball now. And I know he operated at sixty three percent in this game, but you go the week before against Melbourne, and he was you know twenty four out of twenty five kicks. He was I think it was ninety six or ninety eight percent efficiency. So he's 
he's very good at what he does, and it's not just cheap handballs getting that disposal efficiency up. He he racks them up, and he uses the ball very well. Yeah, the other interesting thing, um, just on that sort of where you mentioned Sepa about the um, the um, rotations last year, like every if you look at the sort of in the game, every game Fremantle used just about all their rotations. They were running at about 119, and even in the first half, we always ran around about between 59 and 63 inter, you know, interchanges, where this year, for some reason, you know, and it's not like we've had injuries or anything, but Fremantle run at about 59 to 63 again in the first half, but we seem to be running 10 to 14 interchanges short compared to what we have in the past. So it's quite interesting to see, I mean, whether that shows up later in the year or whether they're just putting a bit more work into them now, but it, it just hasn't been the same as what it uh, was last year and their ability to use the whole interchange. So it's quite interesting to see what will happen when they do that more later on in the season. Well, I think that where that's gone is the shift in numbers. Instead of running to the bench, we're resting players in the forward line and trying to open up the field and actually keep more stay-at-home forwards or even Fife comes right out of the contest. I've noticed how deep when he was resting forward, he was actually sitting right inside the our forward 50 when the ball's sort of sitting our defensive 50, that they wouldn't sort of all press up the ground. They're actually trying to stretch the field open. And I suppose that's one thing where those interchanges are missing, that we're giving the player opportunity to rest being on the field where they can still be damaging rather than constantly having them turn over. And maybe it's just trying to get our players and a game plan used to and the inevitability that the uh, interchanges might drop off from being 120 down to some ridiculous number next year. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, at the moment, like, just having a look through, I mean, we've been, we've sort of the highest has been 111, but we've been 105, 99. Um, the only last one that we got really close to the top was um, when we played the Eagles in the Derby. So, obviously, that was a bit hotter that day. Uh, but generally, we've been running, in the, particularly the last three weeks, at least 10 to 14 interchanges below our full rotation, which is quite interesting. So, mm. it'll be interesting to see what they do this week at Etihad. So... Um, obviously, during the week uh, on the weekend as well, Peel had their game at Saturday on the 9th of May against uh, Subiaco. And were pretty comprehensively beaten uh, by the Premiers. 16 goals, 16, 112 to 7, 10, 52. Obviously, uh, Griffin and Blakely both didn't play in this game and were held over as emergencies, um, which was quite interesting to see that. Obviously, we'll get to this in a minute, Seppo, but either, neither of those actually made the uh, the extended bench this week. So... But um, once again, uh, Tendai Mazungu got 28 possessions and uh, got reported, but got off with a uh, $50 parking fine. <laughs> um, you know, not, not even a carton really these days for those guys. But good to see Lockie Weller once again uh, getting a lot of touches with 27 touches and three inside 50s as well. I suppose when you look at that, Lockie Weller's probably been one of the more consistent younger players. I think Brady Gray and probably Ballard's probably been named in the best a couple of times for Peel, but... Lucky Wellers seem to be just a bit more consistent in terms of what he's doing than uh, Blakely, and I suppose Blakely missing out doesn't help, but certainly it's good to see those uh, younger guys really putting on uh, um, good games and just keep on putting pressure on the senior guys through Peel. Yeah, absolutely, and Sheridan once again got 22, but it was in, good to see good signs with Tanner Smith getting in the best players as well for uh, for Fremantle, even though he only had the eight touches, so it was uh, pleasing for him to uh, get out there and uh, put in a good performance. And not even be able to check the uh, game out myself, but I heard Vandeleur has actually been tested up forward, and it's uh, interesting to see that they might think we've got enough good stocks with Alex Pierce and Tanner Smith down back that we think we may just need one extra or just trying to add another string to him, Bows, and get him up forward. 
Yeah, I suppose the other important, I mean, thing out of this game, Seppo, was it's the uh, it was the senior debut for Sean Hurley as well. For made his first appearance and uh, by all accounts didn't get a lot of it, but he um, looked to create space and uh, seemed to play all right from uh, from the sort of feedback I got from people who were at the game. And it's good to see he's probably under the guidance of guys like Tanner Smith and the other senior defenders there that can and lead him on and just show him, you know, playing in a, in a game at a higher level rather than playing by himself and not many other free players down with the reserves that he's um, up there playing with the guys and just getting a feel for what it's like with those other boys and get some chemistry happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, so we'll see if those young guys, you know, as you said, like the likes of uh, Langdon and DeLuca and Duffy and Hughes and those sort of guys can continue their performances and uh, keep pushing hard, obviously, and uh, we'll go from there. Obviously, uh, would have been interesting, the uh, build-up for this game, I think, would have been a lot stronger this week, Seppo, obviously, if we didn't have the Bulldogs fading out in the second half last week. Uh, but once again, I don't. it'll be one of those danger games for Fremantle, and obviously Western Bulldogs are getting some experience back with Matthew Boyd, Mitch Wallace, Ling Jong and Bailey Dale coming into the side, and unfortunately... In a bit of uh, tragic news for the Bulldogs, Clay Smith going out for his knee reconstruction for the third time. And obviously being a Fremantle supporter with the likes that we saw with uh, obviously Morabito over the years, it's um, just really a shame to see those sort of uh, young kids getting those sort of injuries. And for Fremantle, Luke McFarlane, Tommy Sheridan and Hayden Crozier coming into the squad of 25. And this to me probably looks like I reckon... Probably arguably our best um, 25, Seppo, probably maybe with the exception of Dawson, who could uh, potentially come back in as a defender. But I think mm. I think Sheridan and Crozier are our be- next best players who are in the list. It's funny that you think that this side still has Mzungu, Dawson, I suppose even you include him, Crowley, all out of the side and it'd just be lovely to fit more than, you know, 27 or 28 into 22, but it just doesn't happen. So it's going to be some tough decisions made on game day. And uh, I think it probably might end up being that Alex Pierce misses out to make way for Luke McFarlane. You think he might stay at home for Peel? I'm not sure if they'll probably want to bring, bring him along. He's had his taste of first AFL game and they can let him go back. But you think maybe one or two of Tommy Sherrod, maybe he can make the final side and not sure if uh, Crozier or the person that comes out for Sheridan might travel. Um, it'd be interesting if they travel with two because it does seem to be the more popular choice but it's I suppose it's a downside if, if they do travel that they're missing out on the chance to make their way back in that you know Blakely and Griffin done last week that if they're not playing for Peel it's hard to put the hand up and, and really warrant a side over Freo players that have just been performing every week so I'd probably the norm would be one change McFarlane for Alex Pierce, but I think I just have a strong feeling the way that Ross has been talking about Sheridan, and he's a very good player, and I can quite easily see him coming into the back line and just looking at the stats from last week, you could think that maybe Duffield or DeBoer from you know having to be the sub so much might just make way for Sheridan, and I'd prefer Sheridan over Crozier in this game anyway, just to really help out move the ball through the midfield. Yeah, um, just going back to my original point, I did forget like Mazungu down there. So Mazungu would obviously be that other player who probably looking in that top 25. But it will be interesting because the Bulldogs don't have a lot of height down there. So I don't know if it'll be... Because obviously I think Johnson will be capable of playing on Boyd. Um, so it will be one of those games that's interesting to see whether they do go with McFarlane. Obviously the week after we play North, who do have a, tend to have like a lot bigger forwards when you've got Jared Waite 
and Petrie and that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to see whether they do risk him because um, there's not really a, you know, obviously if they put McFarlane on Boyd, which they could do, that'll obviously allow Johnson to roam and play that third man because if you look at the other players they've got in that forward line, they don't have a lot of height realistically when you're looking at Cramery, which obviously would be a good matchup for someone like Ibbotson, but Honeychurch, Wallace and Dowhouse, there's no real massive tools in there. So it'll be interesting to see where, and even on their bench, I don't think there's anyone like, you know, you think McRae will play, Horvat, Hunter, those sort of guys. There's not a lot of um, height down there. So I'd be interested to see whether they risk McFarlane or they're going to give Pierce another week there and like maybe see how Pierce goes on board to start with and then maybe let Johnson play that loose man and then see see how it goes from there. I think we'll find out probably tomorrow afternoon after the last session when they get to the airport, if um, McFarlane's on the plane, they think they'll play. They won't send him all the way across not to play. So you'd think if he's on there, it'd probably be Pierce missing out. But there's every opportunity. I think we discussed this before that we might even have a combination of McFarlane and Pierce. And if Johnson's a bit proppy, we can afford to probably play based on those matchups with McFarlane and Pierce and give Johnson a rest to come back strong and, and drop out Pierce the following week to. Uh, play the North Melbourne. So it's a quite interesting prospect, and I'd be happy with either way you're cutting Dyson, obviously, for the structure. They'll decide, the coaches, whatever the best matchups are. But it's good to see that you're not worried about any sort of spud getting a game, and they're just quality. Even Crozier for Walters might even be an upgrade on um, form in terms of how Hadian might consider himself performing. And if Walters is down, it might be a chance for him to, you know, it's pretty harsh to say that Walters has got to get it back to the waffle because it's been a while since he'd been banished and turned it around. But if there's a chance for him to just have a rest, get his body right, get get his head back into shape. And um, I don't know if it's the effects of that concussion still that Walters had a, a down game. But if Crozier came in, I'm sure not many uh, arguments would be on the board for what Hayden can provide. Yeah, I, I said it'd be just interesting to see what the coaching staff want out of Walters, I think. I think that's an important thing. So... It'll be just interesting to see how he plays and where he plays the majority of his footy this week. As um, you know, as we saw on um, Friday night or on the uh, Saturday night game where they were interviewing Lyon and he had his little uh, whiteboard up, and I think his last one was uh, "Don't lose your seat." And I don't think anyone would uh, particularly want to be losing their seat on the bus, so to speak. So I'd be very surprised if uh, they sort of make that. And as I said, I don't think they'll make major changes. But as you said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if. Um, they maybe do look at giving the DeBoer an extra week in the waffle and maybe bring Sheridan back in for the run in. Also, Sheridan has shown that he can play down back a little bit, so he does give a bit more versatility um, to that back line, particularly because they have a number of smalls that can play down there. And, uh, and you know, I suppose the other side they've got to look at it, Seppo, is really a lot of the Bulldogs' drive this year has come from the two half backs in Robert Murphy and Jason Johannesson. So, they may look at DeBoer and Maine as being those sort of two negating type half forwards that will stop try and stop that run because the Saints showed last week if you can get those sort of guys not running and being as effective as they have been, then obviously it does take away a bit of that bulldog run through their middle. Yeah, I suppose if you look back beyond the uh, miraculous comeback from the Saints, if you go back to Bulldogs' great win against Sydney, how influential Robert Murphy was was probably where um, Freo will decide if he's going to be there best decision maker and kick of the footy if you can shut him and Johannesson yeah, down that's probably going halfway to beating the Bulldogs there because I know Bontempelli is a great player and there's other players that will pop up and you know Stringer's always a gun 
he's doing quite well. But maybe if we run uh, Bont and Pelly and Fife head to head around the ground, let them sort themselves out. That you can put a good hard tag. Maybe Clancy Pierce might even uh, push forward and get a job on on Murphy or something like that, just to apply a bit of pressure and maybe even get Subin up on him and get in his face and deny some space. It will um, certainly limit how the fact that the uh, Western Bulldogs have been distributing their ball from the back line. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see as well, um, obviously, who they play on Stringer. So obviously you've got Stringer and Cromery who are both quite, you know, sort of mobile forwards and obviously Ibbotson and Sutcliffe would be and Spur would be the three choices you've got there. So it would be interesting to see which way um, Ross Lyon uses those matchups down there. The other interesting thing will be probably, um, Seppo, in this game is who they put Liam Pickett on and whether they go with Fife and Bontempelli head-to-head. That's probably the way you look at it, and I think even this year, I haven't watched too many Bulldogs games or full sessions of it, but I think Liam Pickett is probably uh, previously renowned like Crowley as a good tagger, but he's probably dropped a bit off, and I think starting to get a lot more ball this year. Um, so he's not playing that really hard tag and starting to play that soft tag, almost that our own Clancy Pierce is playing this year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they, and as I said, like Bontempelli and Fife would be a very uh, entertaining matchup to watch because obviously both got good height. Obviously Fife would have a bit more strength there, but it'll be interesting to see which way they decide to go and uh, whether they, as you said, use Liam Picken on uh, someone like Lockie Neal or whether they go with uh, Ling Jong and uh, Lockie Neal head-to-head, something like that, which obviously... Liam probably got a little bit more uh, pace off the, you know, across the ground. But obviously, Liam uh, Lockie's got that ability in close to um, certainly hurt um, the Bulldogs with his disposal and breaking that ball out of clearances. It's one thing I've probably never noticed, just because he's so small and evasive. I've never seen Lockie Neal actually cop a lot of an attention and a tag, and he just seems to make his way into the uh, stoppages and make his way out just underneath uh, Sandland's feet and, and really hard to probably lay a tag on someone like that. And um, even just talking about these uh, clearances and I just can't wait to see <laughs> how well uh, Sandland's and Clark dominate against Ace Corey because he's only really a youngish ruckman that's probably, you know, when we've paced the Bulldogs in the past, they've had Minson or someone out there that's, you know, tested at least Sandlands and Clark, but I think we can well dominate the hit-outs and centre clearances if the old uh, 2.11 and Zachers get a lot of that first use because um, I think the Bulldogs and I think even a couple of the guys on the forum have uh, conceded defeat out of the midfield thinking that they might bring Minson back in for this game, but there must be something wrong with him. I'm not sure if he's injured at the moment or playing in the Magoos, but yeah, no, he's in the yeah, so it's going to be certainly fun for our midfield today uh, on Sunday. Well, yeah, absolutely, and um, I think that pretty much stamps. You'd have to think if he was, if Minson's not getting a game in this game, his papers are pretty much stamped. So, it'd be interesting to see if the team try, you know, whether they try to trade him out at the end of the year, or obviously they see Ace Cordy as their future, and uh, you know, it's great to see him getting games. But as you said, he should be. Um, it'll certainly be a tough game for him this week, playing up against uh, both. Sandalands and Clark. So I think Roughhead's probably their secondary that probably go in there. I'm not sure if Talia jumps in the ruck at all or if they'll get Tom Boyd in there, but it'll be uh, interesting just to see how they go um, against Sandalands and Clark because certainly around the ground and in that centre square, it's going to be uh, fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, obviously they don't have they have good pace and obviously 
like some of their better clearance players, like Liberatore, unfortunately did his knee at the start of the year. So they're relying on that quick ball movement and, and running running power that they have. So it will certainly be um, a tough, you know, day for Fremantle sort of with their transition D. But obviously at the same time, it'll um, be interesting to see how the Bulldogs structure because they obviously know that, you know, Sandilands is going to win probably 90% of the hitouts and we can dictate where that ball goes. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bulldogs adjust to it and how Lyon takes advantage of that as well to, uh, you know, whether he break, you know, splits it up or moves it away from one of their key inside sort of um, clearance players to uh, take advantage of, particularly when we've got our best three in there, when we've got uh, Lockie Neal, uh, Mundy and Fife in the middle. Mm, certainly. Now, there's one player on the Bulldog side, just taking a look at their list, that does worry me and I probably... It's one thing I always look to just to see who the uh, opposition's best small forward is because they always seem to trouble us. And I can guarantee you that uh, Dalhouse will end up kicking a goal on Sunday. It, it, it always seems to be someone like him or, you know, Eddie Betts or Garland or someone will get under Spurries or Sutcliffe's skin and, and, and manage to sneak one out. And that's probably our, our sort of only weakness we've probably seen over the past couple of years. And um, he's a very good player, Dalhouse. It's harder to recognise him without his big... Uh, long dreads now and he's certainly quick off the mark and may cause us a bit of problems if they manage to get it <laughs> out of the midfield and down their end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, and last year I think, um, as you said, like some of those smaller forwards do tend to cause us a, you know, a few more problems though. Um, I think he only kicked one goal last year by memory, but I'm pretty sure one thing we'll, uh, we may improve on this uh, this year's Seppo is that we should get more than uh, four free kicks for the game. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Last year was that record-breaking uh, free kick differential, which um, certainly this year it's one. It's probably only one game that I've really complained about the umpiring, and I think I don't know who the umpires we've got for this round, but certainly they've been quite good, and it's just the interpretation of the rules and everything. There was only I think that Melbourne game that was quite frustrating with a lot of the calls just um, not going our way, or the pulling out the fifty-fifty ones to to Melbourne for something a bit soft. But I, I like the way games in general have been umpired this year and I think there's probably only one that's been a bit odd and weird and it certainly hasn't affected the result too much but definitely not much complaining from uh, most of the punters this year compared to last year so can't argue too much. Yeah, no, it was a bit of a, um, as you said, I thought the Bagley one last week was a bit of a shocker with um, the deliberate there where uh, Pab kicked the goal but as you said, on the whole I think the umpiring has been pretty good and I think Fremantle have also managed to adapt a little bit better to that sort of holding the ball, we don't seem to have anywhere near as many, like we either seem to get the uh, clearance or get our hands to the ball and get the ball out or it becomes a ball up. So mm. and Even have... something I reckon that Fife, I think it's been picked up, that I reckon Fife's allowed a bit of leniency with how long he gets to uh, dispose of the ball. And he, you know, he might pick the ball up, have two or three people on him and manage to break free where other players probably be called for you know, had prior opportunity, but they seem to give Fife, I don't know if he bends time or whatever he does, um, he just managed to get that extra little second to the umpires can sort of see he's breaking free, going, no, hold on, you haven't really limited and stopped him. He, he's off and that's his, uh, you've got a, a prior opportunity to tackle Fife. If not, he's away. Yeah, I mean, every every league in the world has superstar superstars get the calls and, um, you know, we don't have too many and... Uh, so I'm more than happy for him to be able to yeah. get a little lazy because we certainly haven't had too many over the time. And uh, This is a square for 19 other years of uh, terrible yeah. uh, calls going our way, I think. Well, <laughs> well, we certainly don't even uh, 
You know, even last week where they were all draping over Sandlands inside 50 and he never, I don't think he's ever got a free kick inside, or very rarely gets an inside 50 free kick. So, but, um, yeah, is there any other matchups that sort of stand out to you, Seppo, in this one? Probably not other than the fact that you, you don't think we'd go in with both uh, McFarlane, Johnson and Pierce, and it might work for a side like North Melbourne that you know, has Waite and Petrie and um, Ben Brown or something like that, but certainly not for the Bulldogs, probably considered the uh, a shorter forward line set up, and when they've got guys like Cramery and, and Tom Boyd that are more sort of main and... Um, you know, smaller sides, but uh, it's, um, yeah, I think we'll match up quite well. And I think our midfield, without Liberatore in them for them, I think our midfield will dominate again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, like I said, it'd be interesting to see. I, if it was me personally, I wouldn't play McFarlane. I think he'd just, you know, if there's any doubt at all, just give him an extra week. And uh, as you said, I'd be interested to see if they could play, Pierce, if Pierce could start on board and let Johnson be that third man across to sort of intercept, be that intercept marking player. But as you said, either way they go, I think, uh, as you said, I think Fremantle will be able to put enough pressure on in that midfield to um, sort of um, make it difficult for uh, the Bulldogs to get clean ball inside 50. But at the same time, um, last week Essendon showed, uh, you know, they sort of chipped the ball around and were sort of very slow bringing the ball out, where the Bulldogs will certainly be a lot more aggressive in their running. But it'll be interesting to see if they're running and the pressure whether uh, Fremantle are able to lock them in and sort of get that manic tackling going where they sort of tend to turn the, make them turn the ball over. So, And obviously Ross Lyon would have watched the game last week against the Saints and uh, picked out where, what St Kilda were able to do there with uh, to uh, sort of bring them undone in that second half where they sort of, as you said, unfortunately went to a crawl after that big game against Sydney the week before. It's interesting if uh, the Bulldogs come out with a, a game plan of quick ball use and fast speed to break us down and if they burn the ball and we hurt them the other way and if they've expended a lot of energy into a quick game plan and they slow down like they did against the Saints I think it uh, can hurt them the other way when we uh, have controlled it quite well and we can put on a a big margin but you think if that happens once again you'll see us probably get to that comfortable margin and then just take the foot off in the last if our Bulldogs come out firing and they hit the Frio wall and we go back the other way, I think we can uh, see the writing on the wall what's going to happen again. So let's just hope that uh, Bulldogs keep us on our toes all game. We can actually have a nice four-quarter competitive uh, game right the way through. Yeah, and I mean, you have to you have to like what the Bulldogs have shown this year. They're uh, certainly showing a little bit more attacking flair with under beverage, and uh, they're sort of um, probably, um, they've probably done what Carlton haven't done. Like Carlton last year were playing two and three negative taggers in in their midfield and I think um, Brendan McCartney was doing the same where they used to have Mitch Wallace Liam Picken and those you know those couple of guys were playing all quite negative football where this year they've sort of let them open it up a little bit more and they're certainly paying dividends for them but it'll be interesting to see obviously this week I mean they certainly Ross Lyon as I said will be watching what they did the first five and a half weeks of the season as well not just the second half last week so and any time you beat Sydney on Sydney, you've got to um, you've got to respect their you know respect what they've done, and uh, especially in the wet as well, which was um, you know sort of uh, you know bread and butter for Sydney and what they love to do. So it certainly won't be any easy easy game for us out there, and it'll uh, certainly test us with a different sort of game style than what we had last week. Mm. And I just wonder, I haven't really checked the forecast if it's going to be uh, nice weather, but you think being a, a day game, unless it's yeah, it's going to be 19 and sunny at Etihad Stadium. If it will be roof open or roof half closed or roof closed, it'll be uh, 
interesting to see what they do with the uh, roof on Sunday. Yeah, ideally you'd want the roof. Um, I mean, obviously, watching on TV, having the roof open is a pain in the butt because it just... Uh, well, the shadows are cast when the sun starts to... Yeah, and the TV goes in and out, and it's just... But you um, think a, a winter, a low sun, midday, as the game goes on, it's going to look pretty bad, but there's nothing worse than trying to track the ball when it's coming in and out of the shadows that Eddie had, be it on the TV or even at the ground. So um, maybe there's a, a little chance of rain and they can just force the, the roof closed, but, um, yeah, certainly I'll be, I'll be there either way and, and supporting our team on behind the goals. Yeah, absolutely, and... Uh, any, is there any pre, any sort of post or pre-game things this week, Seppo, for those no, people No, it's uh, a pretty normal uh, fly-in performance and fly-out for the mob this week. So yep. I think uh, interesting. But um, what I do hope that uh, Sheridan can make the side, the side, final side, and I can get out there with our little Tommy Sheridan banner behind the goals and um, yeah, hopefully he can make his way into the side. Because when you think about it, McFarlane and, and Sheridan were two players that have been forced out of the side due to injury, not due to performance, and they've sort of both been named to make their way back in, but obviously Sheridan needs to probably make, get through the final session and have someone be dropped for him to make it back into that 22, but I'd certainly love to see him out there. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, as I said, I'm sure whichever 22 go out there will certainly be giving it all, because as you said, they uh, they know that uh, there's plenty of guys sort of uh, biting on their heels to get a game, so they just can't afford to, uh, you know, not not follow the uh, coach's instructions to the letter because obviously they uh, want to keep their spot on uh, their bus on the seat, so to speak, yeah. or their seat on the bus, so to speak. So um, so what's the, what's your prediction for this one, uh, Seppo? Oh, I'm going to go with the average of 30 points again. It's, it seems to be working quite well. I reckon a, um, a margin, you know, 90 to 60, I think that's our average for and against um, yeah. results this year. So I'm going to run with that. Yeah, it's hard to, um, it's hard to sort of disagree with you there or... Uh, you know, I think it'll be a little bit higher. Once again, I think it'll be around about the 38, 39. Sorry, I think about six goals. Um, but I think um, the Western Bulldogs will certainly have moments in the game where they'll test Fremantle. And uh, as you said, it'll just be a matter of uh, just seeing how Fremantle utilise um, or go against this sort of game style. Um, and I'll be really interested to see um, how they uh, use that ball, bringing the ball out of 50 against someone against a side who does tend to run the ball. Um, and as I said, they um, and see whether they can get them on the rebound as well. Mm. All right, anything else um, you want to bring up, Sebo, for, before we uh, finish up for this week? Uh, no, that's pretty much it for this week. Yep. Just a reminder as well, if you haven't seen on the uh, thread, guys, that uh, we're doing a bit of an interview next week with uh, Kepler Bradley um, for uh, to put on the pod. So if you have any questions or anything you would like to ask, I will. Uh, Certainly do my best to uh, see if we can ask them or get them answered and uh, hopefully we'll uh, just add a bit more to the uh, pod for next week, Seppo. Yeah, we're going to be fantastic get get the one and only Kepler Bradley on to uh, hear his thoughts and um, hopefully it'll be a good interview. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks again for joining us this week, mate, and uh, we'll catch you again next week. No worries. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week when we're 7-0. and Yes, it would be nice to uh, keep our run going, particularly up to the bye and uh, allow the... Uh, Fremantle side a little bit more, uh, a few more options coming into the second half of the season. That's it for this week. Uh, thanks again for joining us. And once again, if you have any uh, questions for Kepler, please make sure you put them on the board. And if you were interested in coming on board for or you know joining us for a session, please uh, either message myself or Seppo, and uh, we'll be more than happy to have you on board. That's it for this week. We'll catch you again next week. Bye for now. <laughs>